Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our October Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. October's theme is Autumn, the enchanting season of mindfulness. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guests for this morning are Susan Heim and Karen Talcott. Susan is an author, editor, and library marketer specializing in parenting, multiples, and Christian and women issues. She is the longtime editor and co-author for the best-selling Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Karen is the co-author of four Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional books focusing on women, mothers, tough times, and wives. Susan and Karen teamed up to co-author Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers, 101 devotions with scripture, real-life stories, and custom prayers. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Susan, Karen, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey, their personal experiences regarding this wonderful collaboration, and some of the inspiring and empowering stories from devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers. Good morning, ladies. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you ladies doing today? Good morning, Johnny. We're doing great. Wonderful. I'm so glad to have you ladies on with me. It is a pleasure to have both of you. Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers is perfect nourishment for the heart and soul. Congratulations on its re-release as a beautiful hardcover edition just in time for the holiday season. Thank you. Thank you. This book is, uh, we found this book to be very timeless and so pleased and um, thankful that Chicken Soup re-released it. Fantastic. Let us start by getting to know you ladies a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, ladies, we do have the all hours, so you have plenty of time. <laughs> so would you like to get started first? Sure. Um, Well, it all started in Michigan. (laughs) I grew up in Michigan um, with my parents, and I do have a younger sister who is about, uh, she's only 11 months younger than me, so we were almost twins. Um, I graduated from Michigan State University um, with a business degree, and soon after I graduated, I had the opportunity to relocate to Florida, um, which had always been a dream of mine because I wasn't a big fan of cold weather in Michigan. Um, although it is a beautiful state, I love Michigan, but but it was a little chilly. So um, <laughs> so right after college, I moved to South Florida, and I have been here ever since. Um, I have four boys. Uh, all four of my boys were born here in Florida. Uh, my oldest two boys are now off on their own, and my youngest two uh, twins are just started college this year. 
and these days I work in marketing at a public library where I do, I write their newsletters and press releases, do graphic design, uh, work on their website, um, and just help spread the word about our, our library's programs and the things that we have going on, um, which is great because I love books so much, so it's a a perfect fit for me to work in a library. Um, I've also been an editor, as you mentioned, for Chicken Soup for the Soul for over 20 years. And uh, during this time, I've also uh, authored or co-authored uh, several parenting books, um, as well as uh, some other Chicken Soup books besides the devotional uh, stories. So, um, so I've been really blessed with a great, a great life and a great career. Beautiful. That's really wonderful. How about you, Karen? Well, I'm originally from Oregon and uh, born and raised there and then attended Oregon State University. Uh, my path, though, uh, allied with being a teacher, um, an elementary education teacher. So I uh, received my certificate and taught uh, uh, in public school up there for a number of years before also relocating to Florida uh, when my husband uh, got a job down here. And I taught uh, elementary ed for uh, many years before deciding to stay home when I had uh, young children and twins like Susan. And as you can tell, we bonded over being in South Florida and also having twins at the same time. And um, I am now also in that empty nester phase where uh, one child is adulting. Uh, where she has her first job and she's living up in Atlanta, Georgia now. And the other two are in uh, college as well. So this is, and, and something we'll reflect on in the book, uh, this book definitely deals with the seasons of life mm -hmm. as a mother, as a parent. And I am now in that empty nester season of my <laughs> life where it's that, hmm, what is next? What is um, it? What is interesting? Where, where do I want to put my uh, time and um, my, I guess you call them talents, just talents for trying to open up the doors and find a new passion? First thing that came to mind, Karen, would be like, the next time you see your husband would be, party, nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, believe me. Yes. <laughs> that, who are you? And wait, and yes. I mean, believe me, it is more fun now to go out to dinner or happy hour. There you go. <laughs> happy hour is yeah. a lot of fun. There you go. It finally happened. It yes. took this, this long to enjoy Florida. I'm just kidding. It occurred to me yeah, the I'd other like... day that I have been a parent for 32 years now, <laughs> and finally oh, I have all of them out of the house, so it, it, it's a long journey sometimes. But... Fantastic. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Well, Susan, how did your passion for writing morph into becoming an author? Um, well, it's kind of cliche. I mean, you hear a lot of writers say that I always loved books growing up, and um, I'm I'm the same way, you know, as a kid, I was always the, the kid in the corner with the book reading, reading away. And, um, you know, I even volunteered at our elementary school library. So things have kind of come full circle now that I'm working at a library again. Um, I love to go to the library and visit the bookmobile that came every summer to the school <laughs> across the street. So it was, you know, I always imagine myself doing something like that. I was always writing stories and little articles and things when I was growing up. But um, unfortunately, at the time when I went to college, it was 
always it was kind of the era of big business you know everybody was mm-hmm. saying you know you writing really isn't a career it's a great hobby but you know you might want to think of something more practical so I was encouraged to uh, major in business administration, um, which I did, and it is great because the skills that I learned there are obviously useful in many ways, mm-hmm. especially when I ended up uh, freelancing and having my own business. Mm-hmm. So um, fortunately, whatever job I did have, I always seemed to gravitate towards the writing part. You know, I always ended up doing the company newsletter or editing the company manuals. You know, people would write something mm-hmm. and send things to me to proofread. So, so I always had kind of that side of me satisfied no matter what I did. And at one point I worked with a woman who got a job with a publishing company and this company here in South Florida just happened to be the original publisher for Chicken Soup um, for that series of books. And um, so she hired me as a freelance editor. So I did my regular job and I did freelance editing for them. And after a couple of years, I found out that my job was um, the company that I worked for was being sold, was being sold somewhere else. And I wasn't sure if I would have a job. And it just so happened that the publishing company had a full-time editor position open up. So I applied for it and I got it. So that was really where I got my first entry into publishing. And I worked for this company for several years um, until I became pregnant with my twins. And at that point, I decided to become a work-at-home mom. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was very expensive, as I'm sure you know, to <laughs> find daycare for twins. So, like all my salary would have gone to to uh, taking care of these twins. So I really wanted to be home with them. I knew that they were going to be my last kids. So so <laughs> I fortunately I was able to work around nap time and and <laughs> whenever my husband was around to watch the kids and get things done. Um so I continued working for Chicken Soup for the Soul through the years doing editing for them and that was also the time when I really got the bug to write some parenting books because I was in in the trenches, so to speak, of um, Mm -hmm. parenting Mm -hmm. young children. So that was the point where, you know, I really got into writing, into publishing books, and working, of course, with Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, And that's how I became a writer and an author. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. How about you, Karen? When did your authorship journey begin? Mine happened a lot later than uh, Susan's. Uh, I also came about the the writing gene or the I guess not even the writing gene <laughs> but just wanting to, to to write when I was teaching because one of my favorite times of the day was uh, read aloud when you would read either you would mm-hmm. read a chapter book mm-hmm. or a book to children and written word read aloud has so much meaning to it and yes. that is where started listening to the voice that authors use and voices more just it's how they use the words and but it's the words and they evoke emotion and some authors have it and some don't and I think the secret that many many authors try is to find that voice and so that is what I started dabbling in was writing children's books and coming up with ideas for children books at children's books um, through the experiences of my own kids and being a teacher. And so that was an area that I pursued 
and wrote several manuscripts and, and did the process of sending out manuscripts and waiting and, you know, hoping and things like that. But I think that was uh, God had a different plan for my writing because that was about the time Susan and I met for coffee. And I think at that moment we were just talking <laughs> about the woes of having twins. And um, do you, did the, your children do this? Do your children do this? You know, and, and, and just that overwhelming um, feeling that goes along with multiples. That day we were having coffee and she's the one that came out with, I think that God's calling us to write a devotional. And so that began the process and we, we thought we were going to write them all ourselves. And then that wasn't the makeup of the book. It just didn't happen that way. And we ended up asking other women to send in stories and that mm-hmm. made best collection because now we have a voice, all women or many women. So that's, you know, that's my journey is more that I started one way and then I got the, the nudge, the shift, the, the feeling that I was supposed to be writing in a different market. That's beautiful. That's really wonderful. Ladies, how did spirituality influence and take root for both of you as a woman and a mom? Susan? Um, well, I always grew up with religion and, and going to church. My family always took us to church. We even went to, I went to Catholic school all the way through high school. So I always had a relationship with God, but I think like a lot of people, it kind of ebbed and flowed throughout the years. You know, you, mm-hmm. you get busy with things. I went, when I went to college, I think that was probably, um, a low point for me, like it is probably for many college students who are more into um, whatever is going on at college, you know, <laughs> studying and perhaps a little bit of partying and, you know, and finding your way in the world. So that was probably, a, you know, a, a, the lowest point for me in terms of not really having much of a relationship with God. Um, but I always, you know, I always had it in the back of my mind. And I think once I got out of school, and um, started to build a family, got married and had children, it started to occur to me that, you know, I really wanted to raise my children in the way that I had been raised, you know, with having a relationship with God. And um, so I think just as you get older, you know, that that happens to take Mm -hmm. root and you start to read and pay attention more to those things. Um, And thankfully, you know, when I was going through that process, I found, you know, a a man who shared my, who shared my feelings and I found some great churches and some friends and people like Karen who, you know, really helped me to reconnect with God um, and the Bible. And um, it's just, you know, it's, it's been a, a journey, but it's been it's been really wonderful for me and, and for our family. That's beautiful. And how about you, Karen? Um, I can attest that my story is very similar to Susan's. Um, I was also uh, raised in the church, but there's that time when you're in your 20s and uh, sleeping in on a Sunday. Uh, sometimes it's more desirable than getting up. And so I just I I guess I don't want to say I lost my way, but I floundered a bit in my spirituality in my 20s and early 30s. And I do think it is children that you're, you tr- when you have them, you want to offer them the best and you want to be the best person or parent that you can be. And going back to church and um, 
practicing more my faith helped me be a better parent, more patient, more loving, more kind, all those things, more gentle. Mm -hmm. So as they grew, then it became important that we all attended church together. And now, you know, it's, Again, life is about phases, and I think what so um, makes my heart so happy is that when my daughter moved away, she you know found a church up there in Atlanta, and I have another daughter who attends, even though she's in college, she attends with me every Sunday. So right now, the next phase is, is just being um, filling my heart with the Holy Spirit, but also knowing that they're finding their path as well. I think mom is definitely the CEO, if not the CEO of the family, and she sets the tones. That's what I remembered when I was back home in Malaysia, even though I left when I was 18. But prior to that, mm-hmm. it was just like mom's got all the ducks in the row, <laughs> and especially when it comes <laughs> to spirituality, <laughs> being grounded. How about that? <laughs> anyway, it's like, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's wonderful. That is often true, yeah. Susan, what is the inspiration behind Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers, which actually, like I say, it's fabulous. It's really, really wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Well, when Karen and I were working on our first book, which is a Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for women, um, we noticed that a lot of topics kept coming up over and over again. You know, they were issues that women were dealing with, like self-esteem, Parenting, of course, um, relationships, um, maybe loss and grief, um, illness, and um, even service. And so these became chapters in that original book. And um, But we really felt like um, the stories about mothers, we had so many stories about the experience of being a mother or a grandmother and um, just the many challenges that, uh, that go with that. It's I think being a parent is a lifelong commitment. You know, you, you may have your children only for 18 years or so, but you never really stop being a parent. You know, as Karen and I have shared, even with with our kids being grown now and almost out of the house or totally out of the house, it's still you still worry about them. You still advise them and you still hope for the best for them. You know, you're always a parent and they're always you're always going to worry about them. And so it's a lifelong thing that affects affects women, not just as um, mothers of young children, but as mothers of older children. And so um, we just really felt that this was a book, you know, that this was something that was needed for um, for women out there who were who were mothers or grandmothers or even stepmothers and um, grandmothers by marriage and you know people who care about their their nieces and nephews and that kind of thing just just the raising of children in general and it's I've often found that it is a lot easier if you have that relationship with God and if you can read about stories from other women who are going through the same things and facing the same challenges. Um, and so that was why why we chose this topic and, you know, what inspired us really to do this book for other women that, um, you know, we found these stories worked and helped us to get through these times. And we feel, you know, very confident that these will also help other women going through the same journey. That's so true. Karen, please share with us the various topics covered in this beautiful book. And also, let's talk about the beautiful cover. 
the cover is gorgeous. And, and just for your listeners, it's a field of tulips. And I can't think of a more beautiful place <laughs> I would rather be than like in Holland, looking at the rows and rows and the multitude <laughs> of the rainbow colored tulips that are growing. And I'm so pleased that the uh, chicken soup uh, graphic artist chose that as a color and a color scheme because it's just, it's playful, but it's lively and it's energetic. And the big theme of this book is about seasons. And there are definitely the seasons of uh, being a mother from, you know, pregnancy to having your young children where you are just so busy that there is no light at the end of the tunnel or it just feels very far away. And then we get those teenage years and the hot, the cold that our teenagers, you know, their emotions and up and down. And then the empty nester phase. And then that it revolves back around to being a grandparent. And so I think they just nailed what we were trying to uh bring about in or bring up in this book and a big part of this the way the chicken soup devotionals are is they'll always have a small bible verse and then the contributor will write their message and then there is a prayer that goes along with them and i think the as i said the cover really relates to the the bible verse that we were trying to um, bring about in this book, and if I'm, I'm just going to read it, it's from Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And that is true of life. It's true of parenting. It's true of being a mother, a grandmother, a father. And, um, and so it's also, and I was just reflecting on it, it's so much the, the life cycle of a bulb. You know, we, we plant our bulbs in the fall, and they just they don't look like much. Um, and you plant them, and you just wait through winter, and then all of a sudden they pop up in the spring. It might still be snow or frost on the ground, but when tulips come mm-hmm. up, it's just it, it's a celebration. I mean, it's it's the <laughs> glory, and um, that is like our children. You know, you just they're they're gonna grow, and and but they're you know good times, bad times, beautiful times. Um, with them. So this book, when, as Susan um, already talked about, we, we received probably over 3,000 submissions for it. And Chicken Soup likes to have a format where the, it's 101 stories. And mm-hmm. so Susan and I read 3,000 submissions that were on all topics of being a mother. And we, we spent a couple months <laughs> to read through and, and think about the stories. And then when we felt that we had a nice uh, compilation of stories, then we met, we printed them all off, and Susan and I met at our, my kitchen table. And we, that's when we had ideas, like we came up with the chapter ideas, and, mm-hmm. you know, and a couple of those um, might be treasured moments, you know, those moments that you just yeah. tuck away in your heart. Uh, there was comfort through prayer where sometimes you just, your prayer is the only thing you can do. And then you just, um, and that also helps the situation out. Uh, there was a chapter called help up from above. And those are those spiritual mysteries that could be angels or it could be answered prayers or somehow the Holy spirit came in to make a situation better. Um, loving through tears. I mean, how many times I, I, you know, we cried about our children and either 
sought out help from somebody else or just, you know, sat and cried about a situation. And so there are 11 chapters, and we just read, looked at each story and said this would fit in this chapter and this one would fit in this chapter. And it just all, it works out. And that's the great thing. Yeah, and um, so that's how the book was put together. But again, it's just it's just like a beautiful ebb and flow of life, and that to me again is gardening and you know the the life cycle of flowers too. Wonderful, wonderful, really beautiful. Susan, do you have a recommendation on the best way to read this beautiful book? Uh, certainly, there are, are really several ways that you could read this book. Um, first of all, as, as Karen explained, for those who are not familiar with devotional stories, um, they are meant to be uh, short periods of reading uh, throughout the day. They're all um, short stories um, with an accompanying prayer, a personal prayer that um, Karen and I, uh, mostly Karen, she's a wonderful prayer writer, wrote for each of these stories and a scripture. And so they're really meant for kind of a, a little uh, dose of inspiration or comfort, I guess, throughout your day. Uh, some people read devotional stories first thing in the morning. When they get up, they find that they're a great way to start the day and sort of set the tone for the day, you know, with a, a little bit of time with God and uh, reflection. Um, some people prefer to read devotionals uh, before they go to bed. Um, it's a nice way to kind of settle your brain and get your um, get your heart focused on on away from the activities of the day and onto um, you know your spiritual life and the thoughts inside. Um, and for other people, maybe it's just a nice break for the day. Maybe you have a busy day and it's good to take a break at lunch or something and read a devotional while you're having your lunch and and just have that nice uh, little time with God um, when everything else is coming at you from the outside world. So um, it's really up to the individual, you know, how the, when they want to read these stories or even if they just feel a call throughout the day that they want to read it. Um, as for the book itself, um, we have found that there are different ways to read it. Um, one of them is, of course, just like a traditional book. You can start at the beginning and just perhaps read one devotional a day until you get through the whole book. Another way is maybe just to um, pray before you read the book. You know, close the book and say, I really want a book, a story today that's going to inspire me. You know, please help me, God, to find, to read something that will really speak to me today. You know, and you can do that and just kind of open the book and, and see where the Spirit leads you and, um, hopefully find a story that way that will really talk to you and speak to what you're going through. Um, and another way is by topic. As Karen said, we really put a lot of thought into the topics that were covered and really saw certain themes emerge when we were reading these stories that, um, that all women deal with that, you know, when they're going through um, parenting and so, you know, if there's a particular topic that you're going through, if you're really frustrated um, you know, if you if you need help with your prayer life or something like that, you can look at the topics and the um, chapter titles and perhaps start with that chapter with something that's that's kind of meeting you where you're at in your life right now. So, so as you can see, there are lots of ways to to read this book and to find inspiration. 
That's really wonderful. Karen, please share with us the wonderful forward for the book by Lisa Welch. Lisa Welch. Yes. So um, your uh, listeners might remember her name, or I. Um, she, <laughs> there was in the '80s. There was a show called The Facts of Life, and it was a sitcom uh, that was in the probably the early '80s, mid. And she was the character Blair on this show. And as soon as the show finished its run, she, uh, in 1988, right after the show finished, she got married and within the next three years had three children back to back. And so she left uh, Hollywood and spent time at home, spent time uh, raising her children. And during that time, she, uh, she became a Christian author and also a uh, Christian speaker and motivational speaker. And so we were uh, lucky that uh, Christian uh, Chicken Soup reached out to her, and she wrote the foreword for us. And the nice thing about the foreword is it, it, she, she writes the words that it's a very guilty time when we're mothers. Like you're just never enough. You're not there enough for your husband. You're not there enough for your children. <laughs> working, you're not, you know, here at home, work, you know, that balance is just so skewed. And as a woman and as a mother, it just puts so much pressure. And and then we live in a society where perfection or, you know, filtering on photos and, and things like that, that the, the just guilt always is in the back, that little niggling little guilt in the back of our minds. And so... Uh, Lisa wrote that it was it's okay to have guilt, and it's okay to have a kitchen floor that has uh, Cheerios smashed on it, and it's okay to put in that video, and, and maybe, uh, you know, it's the hundredth time they're watching that video, but if you need that moment and if you need that sanity break, it's okay, and that was what I just loved about her forward is it's, as she mentioned, it's a short time that we have our children. It's seems very long when we're in the trenches. So she, her thing was just be gentle with yourself during these chaotic times. And the season, again, as I think the season of life, uh, the season is very short and it will pass. And she was just, and it was so, it was such a blessing because she's like, you can take this book with you to carpool line. It's the perfect thing to keep in your car while you're waiting. Or if you're in the bleachers for soccer practice, you could pick up, put this, tuck it away in your bag and pick it, you know, read it later. And so it was just, as she said, I loved it. You know, she said, just like chicken soup is, you know, (laughs) it's good for our soul and, and it's good to feed our kids, you know, on a cold day. She said, this is just what the doctor ordered for you. It's really, really wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. October's theme is Autumn. The Enchanting Season of Mindfulness. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of the family. My guests for this morning are 
Susan Heim and Karen Kalk. Susan is an author, editor, and library marketer specializing in parenting, multiples, and Christian and women issues. She is a longtime editor and co-author for the best-selling Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Karen is the co-author of four Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional books focusing on women, mothers, top times, and wives. Susan and Karen teamed up to co-author Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for mothers and grandmothers, 101 devotions with scripture, real-life stories, and custom prayers. Susan, Karen, and I are having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their personal experiences regarding this wonderful collaboration and some of the inspiring and empowering stories from the book. Ladies, let's get into the chapters. Chapter 1, Treasured Moments. I love this story, A Handful of Hope by Pam Mithion. Karen, can you tell us a little bit about the story? Johnny, I am so glad that you chose this story. Um, it, it, it is, let's just be honest with you. We have children, and you never say that one is your favorite. <laughs> but this story has stayed with me throughout, from the time I read it. Um, it is, it, it just, you know, I don't, I don't even describe it. It, it just, it, it just makes a big impact on me, and, and it is, just my heart just goes out to this mother. And let me go into explaining uh, this devotional. So there, uh, this was by uh, Pam Mitron, I think, and she was writing about her autistic son. And as a mother, the compassion I have for uh, other mothers who are raising special needs children, the, the, time commitment that they put in and just the emotional love that they give their children and there's those times that it's not rewarded back to them but this story is a a young boy who was nine at the time his name was Trevor and with some autistic children they're very rigid and they need to have consistency in their life and it just and so in, on this morning, on the a morning before school, Trevor was looking for his black mittens. And he only wore these black mittens. And they couldn't find one of them. And so, of course, there, his mother suggested wearing a spare pair. And that sent him in, uh, into a tumultuous breakdown. And he went off angry that morning. You know, he slammed out of the house and... His mom, um, Pam, broke down in the kitchen after he left, and she had said that it was about age three that um, he reverted um, and he went into himself with the autism. And there were moments and glimmers of hope throughout the years, but many times um, she described it as, you know, those iron bands that, you know, had, you know, kind of put a cage around him. And so if I may, if you will let me read part of this devotion, because again, it just, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. it just breaks my heart. So he had just left. He slammed the door. She was starting to do the breakfast dishes and she was crying. And um, a knock at the door interrupted my sullen thoughts. I wiped the tears from my face and wondered who could be here so early. When I opened the door, Trevor Trevor stood trembling on the doorstep. Trevor, what's wrong? Did you forget your books? He didn't answer me. He stepped in and looked up at me. His cheeks were a rosy pink from the cool February day. Mommy, he began. 
I held my breath. For several years, he hadn't looked me straight in the eye or called me by my name. Yes, I whispered. I slowly lowered to my knees, to, lowered to be to my knees to be at his eye level. If I moved too quickly, I would shatter this fragile moment. His bright blue eyes grew shiny, and a tear slipped down his round cheek. Mommy, I'm sorry, he said. He only spoke three simple words, but his soul had opened. He had talked to me from his heart. He showed emotion. Then his face hardened, and he turned and ran. The moment was over. Iron bars separated my heart and his once again. I stayed in that spot on the floor and pressed a handful of hope to my heart. It was like a door had opened for the first time, and he had pulled me through into his world. It didn't happen again for a long time, but I always knew it would. I knew that Trevor was in there. I knew he, could, he would come out again. That moment sustained me for years. Sometimes he smiles so brightly that the chains of autism rattle their retreat for a few moments and we connect. All it took was three words, a tear, and his round blue eyes looking into mine. And I will be always grateful to God for giving me this little spark of hope. Beautiful, very beautiful. I love the story. One interesting thing about it, and I say this with full respect, not many people have the opportunity to be around autistic people or special needs children, whatever way you want to categorize it. But Mm -hmm. when they do express themselves, they're very genuine. I mean, it's straight from the heart. We, on the other hand, we tend to sugarcoat a lot of things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but that's just the nature. So it's just beautiful. Chapter two, Susan, you have a beautiful story in here. Please tell us about it. Okay. Um, I actually have two stories in that chapter. So um, Mm -hmm. the first one I'd love to tell you about is called Making the Big Decisions. And in this case, um, the decision that I had to make was where to send my twins to kindergarten. Um, my twins were um, in preschool at the time, and um, my husband and I were talking about where to send them. Now, in the old days, you just sent them to the local school, but as you know nowadays, there are a lot more options for where your children are going to go, whether it is the local public school, it might be a religious or a private school. Um, We even had the option here in South Florida uh, to go to a a dual language school, a school for the arts, Um, And, of course, there's always the option to homeschool. So we had a lot, you know, this was a very big decision for us, and I found at the time that it it was helpful to talk to other mothers who were in the same position. You know, they had been researching their options as well. So on this particular day, I was standing in the parking lot at preschool after dropping off my twins, and, and I was talking to these other moms, and you know, asking, of course, we were going through the usual, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, and, and sharing advice and, and things that we had learned about the various options for school. And, um, you know, this was extremely helpful, but it also made me realize that, you know, all families are different and all children are different and their needs are different. And even if one parent has found a solution that's perfect for them, you know, it may may not be the perfect solution for my family or for somebody else's family. So while it's good to talk to each other and get that information and, and share our thoughts and perspectives, it's still a very personal decision in the end that you have to make. And I know for my husband and I, not only did it help 
to talk to each other, you know, and explore these things and what we knew about our children. But we also felt like we had to um, get God in on the conversation. You know, whenever um, we have big decisions like this, it's important to remember that we're not just making it alone. Um, we do have our friends and we do have our families to talk to, but but we also have God and we can just, you know, sit in prayer with him and, and ask him to lead us to, you know, the, the decision that is best for our family specifically and just to help us to know, you know, what is best. So that's really what, what that story was about, that, you know, even though we, we had those friends and family and we, you know, we loved getting that sort of guidance, you also feel kind of alone in in making those big decisions in life. And you don't want to mess it up. You know, you feel like there's a lot at stake that you're, you know, your children are, you <laughs> tend to dramatize and think, oh, I'm going to mess up my kids if I make the wrong decision, you know. But right. I think it really helps you, helps you instinctively to, to calm down and know that you mm-hmm. do know best what's for your family. You know, if you sort of sit in prayer and, and think about what, um, you know how God can help you to make that that big decision. Wonderful, so, that's beautiful. So the other story in that chapter is called "Time for Myself," and I was I wrote the story when I was feeling uh, particularly overwhelmed with the demands of motherhood. Um, <laughs> my children were small. Um, you'll hear that theme a lot in this book, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, my children were small, you know, and I felt like. Um, I was always the one that was responsible. You know, my husband had no qualms about going out to the gym, you know, or going (laughs) to the store or whatever. He always trusted that mom would be there to watch the kids, you know. I had two older boys who were at an age where they wanted to hang out with their friends a lot, and so they were always making plans with their friends, um, which often involved, you know, driving them um, long distances to go meet up with their friends and do things. And, of course, you know, I I had the twins with their needs, and also I was working from home. So I had a lot of pressures from writing and editing in my job as well. So I just was feeling like my needs were always last. You know, I was always going out of my way to um, think of others' needs and to help them out and make things great for them, but nobody was really thinking about me. I was kind of, you know, having a little pity party. So, um so the next day, you know, I thought through it and, um, you know, I decided, you know what, I'm important too. And I can be a better mother if I do pay more attention to my own needs as well as my family's. But it's not a selfish thing to consider um, consider what you need in order to make yourself a better parent and a better mother. And um, so I walked into a movie theater by myself which was very scary for me. I had never gone to see a movie by myself, but there was a movie out at the time that um, that I really wanted to see, and it was not something that would have appealed to my family or my husband. So I went on my own, and I came out of the movie feeling just wonderful. You know, it was a feel-good movie, and I was smiling, and I was happy. And for just a few hours, you know, I could kind of – just be myself and not really be so much focused on being somebody's Mm -hmm. wife or somebody's mother. You know, it was just me watching a great movie that I really enjoyed. So from that point forward, I decided that Friday afternoons were going to be my time 
and that, you know, I was going to go see a movie or um, I was going to go to the beach for a couple of hours and just read a book. Um, maybe I would have a little retail therapy and do a little <laughs> shopping. You know, it, even something as simple as, you know, going out and getting my treating myself to a specialty coffee or, you know, having a favorite fast food that I liked or something. But, um, you know, I just made the decision that, um, you know, I was not going to have guilt. As Karen discussed earlier um, in Lisa Welchel's forward, I was not going to feel guilty about this. I was going to treat myself. And it, it was great. You know, it, it really was a great experience. It helped me to lower my stress level, you know, make me feel like my time was important. And, it, you know, it also brought me closer to God when I was sitting on the beach, you know, looking at the beautiful water coming in and the birds flying around. You know, it really gives you a time to reflect on, you know, on prayer or just on your beautiful life, count your blessings, you know, be grateful for everything that you mm -hmm. have. So so that's really what that story was about is, um, you know, making sure that you meet your own needs in addition to the needs of your family. That's true. It's beautiful. It's mama's me time that's so important. I totally agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got to get that me time in for sure and not feel guilty about it. There you go. There you go. Well, chapter three, loving through tears. This is a wonderful story, Parenting Through Good Times and Bad by Ruth Snyder. Karen, what can you tell us about this particular story? Uh, this story uh, is it's about an adoption, and they brought a little boy into their family. Uh, they had three children, and they adopted a boy when he was two. This story dealt with a, a mother's heartache as she was learning to uh, how to bring him into the family. And he did have some things that were disruptive to the family where he lied a lot and he had some defiant uh, disorders. And so she talked about that it was a journey. And, of course, it's a rewarding journey. But, man, there's those times that we are crying about what's going on with our children. And then there's those times that the sun just breaks out through the clouds and it is, you know, you just feel that peace. And this um, young boy um, lied a lot. And it was there and, and she was not um, equipped to, to deal with some of his behaviors. And so she just prayed. And in this moment, I loved how she said this. She was, um, she said, I told God he would have to love Matt through me. I then made a commitment, choosing to love Matt always, even if Matt's behavior never changed. And that is one of those moments where you just surrender. And you just give it to God to help you raise your children in those moments or in that a time of the life, and she by surrendering that, she found the peace, and then she just could focus her love on him and helping him, you know, blend into the family. Yeah, it's a beautiful story, and I know how tough it is being adopted because I, I am actually adopted at birth. The good uh -huh. news is I didn't lie, but I think when we do lie, if I can recall certain times in my life, the kids are looking through the lens of fear. And so I want mm -hmm. to be accepted all the time. And guess what? We adults do the same thing too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a wonderful, beautiful story that really makes you understand that 
let's look through the lens of love. And when you do that, the vision really changes for both people. Right, right. It does. And it allows, yeah, allows a fullness to the relationship and just an acceptance. And, and you're right about accepting where um, a child has come from and how to blend them into your family and help them be their best self. So true. Well, ladies, both of y'all have a story in Chapter 4, the beginning. Let's start off with Susan, Alone in the Night. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I wrote this story um, when my children were not sleeping through the night. Uh, I my twins were babies, and uh, I think that most mothers can relate to the issue of sleep deprivation when their children are infants, and they're just uh, up in the middle of the night consistently not getting enough sleep and feeling grouchy. And um, So this is really a universal experience, whether you have twins or not. I think with having twins, it can be even more challenging because, you know, you get this advice people always say, when the baby sleeps, you know, if if the baby's down, don't try and clean house, go take a nap or do something like that. But with twins, that can be really hard to do because at least with my twins, they never seem to sleep at the same time. So I would have one who would go to sleep, but I couldn't go take a nap because my other one was awake, you know, and then just when I would get that one settled down, then the other one would wake up. So it was it was especially challenging for me, and um, so this was one of those nights when I was just, um, you know, really frustrated, and I was sitting in, you know, in a chair rocking one of the twins to sleep or whatever, and I just started um, really looking at what I had, you know, instead of focusing on how tired I was, you know, I started looking at my baby's little fingers and toes, you know, and how precious <laughs> they were, you know, and how warm this child felt in my arms. And, you know, I started thinking about what, you know, what a privilege it had been that I'm, I was the only one who could calm this little child and nourish him. And, you know, and it helps to think that when babies are crying, it's not that they're trying to annoy you or keep you awake or it's just that that's the only way they know how to express what they're feeling you know I'm hungry or whatever they have to cry and so it was just those little things that I started to kind of change my perspective you know I would say little prayers while I was sitting with them in the night and just really focus on the blessing that I had on this precious little baby that would not be a baby for long um, you know and just use that time to get closer to God, you know, ask for patience mm -hmm. for my husband and I as, as we got tired and, and lost, you know, may lose it with each other. And so <laughs> it just was that title alone in the night was just um, a reminder to me that really I wasn't alone. You know, mm -hmm. I was um, I had God with me. I had a partner with me. And of course, I had, you know, my precious babies that um, wouldn't be babies for long. So, um you know, just like Karen says, it's it was a season of life, and it was mm -hmm. a tough season. It seemed like forever when I was going through it, <laughs> but but I knew I would get through it. You know, you just have to focus on what's really important. Um, you know, and uh, um, have some gratitude for what you have, and and you'll get through it. And and I did. <laughs> wonderful, that's beautiful, Karen. How about you? We have a wonderful story beating the bed rest blues. 
Yes. Uh, so, and I just want to remind your listeners that although we're talking about these stories when children are young, there are plenty of stories where they're teenagers and or getting married or mm-hmm. you're the grandmother and you're watching your daughter have a baby and go through things. So um, when we wrote ours, our, those were the most vivid memories that we had were when our children were young. Uh, <laughs> there is plenty, you know, in these 101 stories, there are plenty of other, those phases of life and stories. So it's the kind of thing where you can just have it on the coffee table, pick it up and go, oh, yes, I remember that emotion. Or, oh, am I, you know, going to have that when they're a teenager, et cetera. So um, just want to put that little plug in there that, again, it's it's all ages of uh, parenting stories in here and mother stories. So I would, the, the beating the bed rest blues, <laughs> again, a baby story. Um, but I, my own personal journey, I was a very nervous mother. I was a very, when they were young, um, and I was a very... Um, fearful pregnancy, um, pregnant woman. And so when I had the twins, I just always was so fearful of what was going on. Were they growing right? Were they growing at the, the correct age? Were, you know, it was everything forming correctly. And so I just had a lot of fear when I was in that process. And I had a two-year-old at the time. And around 28 weeks, they told me that I was going to be on bed rest and my husband worked all day. And so we first tried bed rest with me sitting on a couch with a two-year-old playing around me. And you can imagine how long a two-year-old would stay in one spot before they've gotten up, run around the house, moved to a different room, started tugging things in different rooms. And so I would get up off the couch And so the whole, you know, I'm going to lay on the couch and watch my two-year-old quickly eroded. And so eventually it was like, you're going into the hospital. You have to be on full bed rest and around the clock, you know, medical care to make sure that you do not deliver these babies early, around 28 weeks. So um, I was forced, you know, life came to a screeching halt. Um, And it was that moment that I realized that I needed other people to help me. And being uh, so blessed to have church women come in with the food to feed my daughter and my husband, those meals where he was working all day and then the church ladies would drop off meals to them were a godsend. And I had people volunteer to babysit. Um, from the church. I had a wonderful woman come and bring me needlepoint. And I wasn't a needlepointer, but she said, this is the only time you're ever going to have two weeks to yourself. You might as well try to learn. And so she tried to, you know, sit there with needlepoint and show me how to thread the needle and make the little cross stitches and things. And um, I couldn't have done it. You know, in hindsight, you know, many people might be lucky Mm -hmm. because they have neighbors that will help or wonderful friend groups that will help. Um, We were lucky that our church family came and stepped in. And that time being in the hospital allowed me to start to feel some peace and, and, and just, I was just so thankful that God provided all those wonderful women and men to step in and help our family. That's beautiful. That's really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. We are going to jump to chapter eight. And the reason for that is because I want 
people to really get to know you two. Plus, again, it's that experience that y'all have been through and sharing those experiences that makes a big difference. This book is like what Susan had said. It's a keeper from a standpoint of you can read each story differently at different times, and it's a comforting dosage of inspirations and empowerment. Let's go to chapter eight, which is very, very interesting, surrendering our worries. And the reason why I chose this particular chapter is because that's what we're facing right now sometimes in our life. I think you two have some wonderful firsthand stories to share. So let's start with you, Susan, overcoming bad days. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Now this story I have, I will warn you, is it might be a little bit uh, gross. But I have told this this story often because it it is an example of I don't know if you've heard of the children's book. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, and this is a complete illustration of that kind of day that I had. Um, in this particular instance, my boys were toddlers, and we had this uh, play yard that we set up in our living room, you know, so that we could keep Mm -hmm. the boys contained while, you know, so we could do laundry or that kind of thing. So I had the twins in their little play yard and I went on to the other room, probably to throw in a load of laundry. And usually I could kind of hear the boys chattering in the background, you know, or fighting or throwing toys or whatever they love to do. And I realized after a while that I wasn't hearing anything, you know, it was really quiet out there. And that's usually a sign that something's going on. And so I tiptoed into the living room and to check on the twins. And I was greeted with a scene of horror, basically. Um, (laughs) One of the boys had taken off his diaper, which was poopy, (laughs) let's just put it bluntly. (laughs) And he had smeared... There was poop everywhere, you know, it was all over both of the boys, it was all over the floor, it was on the toys and the blankets, it was everywhere. And after I got over my shock, um, you know, I stripped the boys, I threw, took everything out of the playpen, threw it to the side, threw their clothes to the side. And I grabbed one of the boys, you know, and took him, ran to the shower and tried to hose him off. Um, In the meantime, of course, I then got poop all over myself because I was carrying him. Um, So I did that, got the one twin clean, went back to the living room to grab the other one and discovered that he had peed all over the floor. (laughs) So then I had to clean that up, you know get that clean because I didn't want to set the clean twin in the play yard with pee all over. So um, I went, got him cleaned up, got myself cleaned up. Finally, I could breathe again. Um, The only thing I had left to do was get the pile of clothes and blankets that I had thrown over to the side of the playpen and get those in the wash. Well, I discovered that I had thrown those items over by the window and the smell had attracted a colony of ants. So all the ants had crawled in the window and were swarming all over the clothes. <laughs> so, so that was another ordeal, of course, trying to get rid of these ants, trying to get, you know, get the clothes in the wash. And um, needless to say, that is a day that I will never forget. <laughs> um, 
so fortunately the rest of the day was not not quite as stressful as that you know god decided i'd I'd had enough (laughs) you know it was a good day um and at the end of the day you know i just end the story with you know i'm sitting on the couch with my nice clean beautiful children you know and um you know i'm asking god what did i ever do to deserve this day you know but but i realized that you know what i i did deserve this because i what i got was two beautiful little boys that i was blessed with and regardless of how bad my day was you know i still i still had my little blessings with me so and a great story to tell you know for the rest of their lives so <laughs> there you go so true well Karen, you got a beautiful one too this is a beautiful story sunday was my day of rest I just want to start with uh, the Bible verse on this one. It comes from Exodus 31:15, and it says, For six days work is to be done, but the seventh mm-hmm. day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. And this, again, and poor Susan, I, just, that story just makes me cringe for you. But <laughs> the feeling of just yeah, over being overwhelmed, um, some women, and, and I don't know, you know, possibly I had postpartum depression. You know, I was crying a lot. I was overwhelmed. I was just trying to manage and get through the days. And I know um, I was feeling a lot of resentment at the time for my husband because I thought he had it so much easier than I because he got to go to work every day and get out of the house he got dressed he drove in his car he went you know went to work (laughs) and then he came home meanwhile i you know was in the trenches all day and you barely get a shower and you barely take any time for yourself so i just you know he had an easier life than me you know is what i was feeling and again you know just those emotions, you know, everybody, you know, as women, I think, and others, we all go through that. There's, there is going to be some resentment and that's okay. But we were lucky at the time that we had a um, church service that, you know, it did have a more formal service, but it also Mm -hmm. had a contemporary service that allowed us to bring um, our children to the service. And uh, while one went to Sunday school, we could have the baby still in their little um, car seats and we would just kind of rock them with our foot and so that they would sleep through church and I tell you that one hour where <laughs> I got to you know have to myself and it was in church and you know just even then having my husband sit next to me that we we needed to connect and we needed that uh, time and I tell you I lived for Sunday at 9.30, you know, 9.30 to 10.30. But, I mean, that is when I just had to cling to my faith and, and, you know, pray and hope that things were going to change and get better. That's beautiful. I'm just being sassy here. This is where you said, maybe it's time to move back to Oregon. (laughs) Be close to Grandpa. (laughs) And then, of course, if you tell your parents that, you know, it's like, Honey, we're thinking about moving to Washington. I don't think you want to come up here or <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> anyway, I just, I'm just being sassy here. So you have a wonderful story in Chapter 9, Whispers of Wisdom, and I think this is a wonderful story for you to share with us. Oh, thank you. Well, this story is called Timing is Everything, and it is about when I was trying to potty train my twins. Um, at this point, 
I was a little bit overconfident, I think. I had two older boys, and I had managed to potty train them when they were two. And so I thought, you know, what's two more? I can do this. And unfortunately, uh, the twins were not the same as my older boys. Um, They had, you know, turned three at that point, and still they were not potty trained. And we tried, you know, just about everything that there is out there now, you know, the the stickers and the potty training videos. And uh, we had a musical potty. We we read books (laughs) about using the potty. You know, bought Spider-Man underwear, you know, everything we could think of to try and get these kids potty trained. And it just didn't seem to work. And we were under pressure because we had decided we were going to send them to a, a daily summer camp for preschoolers. And one of the rules was uh, your kid could not be in diapers. You know, if you're going to camp, we're not changing diapers. They have to be potty trained. So we were really feeling the pressure Um, to get the kids potty trained. And I think at that point, I don't know what happened. I think at that point we had just sort of given up. We tried everything (laughs) in the book, and we sort of laid off on the pressure to get the kids uh, potty trained, and suddenly it was like a a switch went off in their brains. You know, something clicked, and they just started all of a sudden. They were trained, you know. It was like – a hallelujah moment. You know, it felt like a miracle that the twins suddenly um, were toilet trained. And um, this really was just a reminder to me that um, we can't always control the timing of of everything. You know, sometimes we want things to happen. We want, you know, to find the perfect job or, um, you know, get a new house, maybe, you know, have more money or get through a healthcare challenge. And, you know, we always want it now, you know, <laughs> we, we pray about it. We say, please give it to me now. And, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. You know, sometimes um, God's timing is not our timing and we just have to wait it out. And, um, you know, most things will happen when the timing is right. And that is exactly what happened with potty training the twins. They were, <laughs> Just a month or two before they were due to start summer camp, they they were potty trained and um, and all worked out well. So wonderful, that's really wonderful. Well, let's close up the book with a beautiful story. Karen, you're up next, chapter ten, giving them wings. A family that prays together stays together. I love this story. <laughs> um. There are those days, as we've talked about in many of these stories, um, and grumpy kids, rainy day, don't know what to do, and then (laughs) they just start picking on each other, and they just start annoying each other, and it's just like wildfires, those little fights and spats and tattling, just, you know, everybody just feeds on each other. And so it was one of those days. And so I finally, you know, at this point, they were able to do timeouts in their room, you know, (laughs) so you, you know, you growl or yell or, you know, you, you know, insist that everybody go to their room and have a timeout. And that way I could take a timeout. I could regroup. I could balance. I could, you know, take a breath. And I put them all in their rooms. And again, as Susan said, sometimes, you know, there's quiet in your house and then sometimes 
there's noises that are, you know, you're like, hmm, what's going on? And their rooms all line up kind of in a hallway. And pretty soon I could hear that they were, you know, tapping on the wall to each other. They were playing a game of telephone of sorts. And even though they just had been, you know, fighting and arguing, they couldn't stay away from each other either. And they were giggling in there. And and whereas I had worked myself up, children just let things pass. And Mm so, you know, I could see that timeout was over. and, And so they came out. And then my great memory of the kids is just building forts in a house. You know, they had bunk beds. And you take out all the sheets and blankets and pillows and chairs from around the house, and they just made a big fort in a bedroom. And it, that is just, you know, it, it just ended, even though it was still rainy and still kind of a, a da- you know, gray day, they changed the mood. And, Johnny, I'm so glad, again, that you chose this story because yesterday when I was reflecting on it, I actually, um, they're all, again, out of the house. And so I sent them this story. And they all got back to me yesterday and, you know, <laughs> laughing. And, 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 again, it just talks about that accord, you know, from the Ecclesiastes, a cord of three yeah. strands is not quickly broken. You know, again, you can control some things, but you can't control things. And, and again, it was, you know, I guess maybe you look back on the words that I, I wrote and I was like, how can I control, and I, that was the key here, how can I control their lives? And you quickly realize that you're not going to control your lives. You you know, maybe when they're young, you can make many of those decisions, but now I can't. And so now mm-hmm. I just pray a lot. And I, I talk to them, and you I, you hope that everything that you did when they were younger, as it has, you know, been said, that they bring those traits and they bring um, – those morals to life, and then you just you pray, you pray a lot, and you know. So. Well, that's beautiful. That's really wonderful. I think kids pick on each other, brothers and sisters, or brothers and brothers. I know I certainly did that with my sister, and before you know it, hold and behold, with friends or whatever you want to call it, very quickly. I right. mean, it just roll over. <laughs> Parents need to be aware of it because actually it was funny. I mentioned that I was adopted at birth, but I didn't find out about it till when my sister and I got into a, a fight in the situation. I guess I picked on her so much that she got to a point where she just said, stop it. You're so different from us because you're adopted. It was like, what? Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and you said, wow. wait a minute. Now, I know you adopted because your birth certificate says that my birth certificate says my name, right? And you said, no, you were adopted at birth. That's why you're so different from all of us. And so I walked into the kitchen and hear my mom's cooking and I'm saying, Mom, Lang told me that I was adopted and she was about to die. <laughs> wow. Oh, I bet. <laughs> to have that sprung on her? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, you know, wow. like, oh, well, hey, that's life. That's being mommy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you never anyway, know what will come out of the mouths of children, yeah. There you go. There you go. And you talk about being controlled and non-controllable, and the rest you just got to trust God and uh, divine involvement from that perspective. Ladies, what was the most rewarding aspects of the collaboration? 
Um, I think for me, it was, um, you know, working with Karen and sharing our personal journeys. As, as Karen shared, we were both in kind of the same phase of life when we started writing these devotional stories. Um, we were both, we both had twins. We were both going to the same church. You know, we both had older children. And so, obviously, from a personal standpoint, it was very rewarding just to meet up with, you know, someone going through the same stage of life. And even today, now we both have our twins in college, you know, so we're still comparing <laughs> notes on what, on what's going on in our kids' lives and, you know, what they're doing. And, and so it, it's, from a personal perspective, it's been a lot of fun doing that. And I think professionally in terms of, of working on these books, you know, Karen and I really brought uh, different strengths to um, to getting these books done. You know, I'm being an editor. I really um, turned a lot of the stories, I think, into, you know, chicken soup style stories, you know, made sure they were very inspirational, well-written, whereas Karen is, you know, she's just an awesome, what we call an, a prayer warrior, you know. She's, she was really the one who found, the one who found the, the meaning in each of the stories, and she crafted uh, the prayers and uh, found Bible verses for them. So it really was, I think, the perfect combination of skills um, that we had, you know, in bringing these stories to life. And, um, you know, she and I have both been rereading these stories again after so many years, <laughs> and they are just, they are so relevant today and just so moving, you know, it, it was just, it was a joy to reread these stories over and over again because they really, um, you know, they, they're just all so moving and meaningful, and, you know, they, they were a help, help to both of us, I think, in what we were going through over the years. Wonderful. And Karen? I agree with everything uh, said, um, and the only thing I would add there is that Susan and I didn't, you know, we, we weren't starting to write a devotional. That wasn't our plan, but the plan mm -hmm. shifted, and I definitely, God put his hand on it, <laughs> and this, these four books, and this one in particular, they have his, his voice come through his love for us as women and mothers and our children comes through. And as she said, these stories are timeless because we've all been through or, you know, women might be at the start of their mother's journey or they might be at the end of their mother's journey, but you can relate to them all and they just bring you closer every day to God. Wonderful. That's really beautiful. What is next for you ladies, Susan? Um, well, we do still have two more devotional books, um, mm -hmm. devotional stories for tough times and devotional stories for wives that um, we will see. Hopefully, Chicken Soup for the Soul may um, bring those out as um, hardcover gift editions as well. Um, if not, you can, you can get those in paperback at the store. Um, and we're just, um, for me personally, you know, now that my boys are in college and I pretty much have an empty nest, I'm just, um, kind of looking, trying to figure out, as Karen said, where, where I'm going from here, you know, whether I'm going to continue working at, at the library or, um, you know, I'm considering future freelance work or, you know, maybe Karen and I will write a book for empty nesters, you know. <laughs> that sounds good. So, yeah, the, the, the field is wide open, you know. It, it's a new time of discovery in our lives, and, um, you know, it's, I'm excited to see where God leads us. 
Wonderful. That's beautiful. How about you, Karen? Um, my, you know, my interest and passion right now uh, reside in uh, volunteering in a local elementary, and I work with second and third grade readers who are, uh, through the pandemic and other reasons, mm-hmm. are behind, and so I volunteer with them a couple days a week, and it's just a joy for me to help them with their reading and their writing skills, so that is where I've just found a lot of purpose right now and um, helping the next group of kids, you know, be a, a, that consistent person in their life. Beautiful. That's really wonderful. Well, ladies, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you ladies like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Susan, would you like to start first? Um, yes. Um, I would just like to remind everybody that um, – you are exactly where you're meant to be. Um, my recipe for life is, you know, as a mother or a grandmother, um, you've been equipped by God with everything that you need to do your job. And, um, you know, you've been blessed with a great honor to to have these children in your life. And so I think that when you're stuck, you know, in the drudgery of the day-to-day of parenting or things aren't going as well as you'd like or you're exhausted, I think it just um, really helps to look at the pic- the big picture and, and realize that you have, you know, you are strong and you have everything within you um, to get through the season of life. And, you know, it, it certainly helps to turn to God and to count your blessings and um, just to be thankful for the wonderful privilege of being a mother and a grandmother or, um, you know, and having wonderful children in your life. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. Karen? Um, so I recently or uh, you know, listened to a podcast, and it was about people finding their passion and their, their zest for life. And I loved how the woman framed it because she said um, some people have a passion. They have this deep passion where they're an artist or an illustrator or a, a musician or, or gardener, but not everybody has that one sole passion that drives their life and their life decisions. And so she said, be a hummingbird. And a hummingbird just flits from flower to flower, and it, it gets, a, you know, and it's like grab a new idea today or, or to, to look up something on the Internet that is interesting or, you know, notice something different. And you don't have to have that one thing in life that drives you. You know, hummingbirds go from flower to flower to flower, and they cross-pollinate, and they make the world a better and more beautiful place. So just because you don't have that one thing, it is okay to just, you know, do something for a short period of time and then the next day move on to something else because you never know where that idea that you learned, you might bring it up in a conversation, and it might be important to somebody else. So I just love that idea that, you know, life right now for me is about being a hummingbird and just moving and and just collecting lots of different ideas and interests and passions. That's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Susan and Karen, thank you for the empowering recipes for living and for spending this time with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, October 26th at 10 a.m. Central Time. My guest will be Dr. Joe Rosenberg. Dr. Joan is the creator of Emotional Mastery and Emotional Mastery Training. Dr. Joan and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, 90 Seconds to a Life You Love. 
For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Susan and Karen, it is a true pleasure. And thank you again, ladies, and have a very blessed day. You too. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. 